All right, this is Commission President Sam Cho convening the special meeting of May 9th, 2023. The time is 10.03 a.m. We're meeting in person today at the Port of Seattle Headquarters Building, Commission Chambers, and virt virtually via Microsoft Teams. Present with me today are Commissioners Calkins, Fellerman, and Mohammed, who are currently gathered in the executive session room awaiting the opening of the public meeting. Commissioner Mohammed is recused from participating in the second item for discussion today. We'll now recess into the executive session to discuss two items regarding litigation and or potential litigation or legal risk per RCW 42.30.110, so one sub I, for approximately 90 minutes, and we will reconvene into public session at noon. Thank you. This is Commission President Sam Cho reconvening the special meeting of May 9th, 2023. The time is 12.05 p.m. We're meeting in person today at the Port of Seattle Headquarters Building Commission Chambers and virtually via Microsoft Teams. Clerk Hart, please call the roll of all commissioners in attendance. Thank you, Mr. Commissioner President. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Here. Thank you. Is it working? Uh, no, I think it is. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Cho. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Present. Thank you. And we do expect Commissioner Fellman to be joining us shortly. Um, Commissioner Hasegawa is absent and excused from this meeting. Great. Thank you. A few housekeeping items before we begin. For everyone in the meeting room, please turn your cell phones to silent. For anyone participating on, participating on Microsoft Teams, please mute your speakers when not actively speaking or presenting. Please keep your cameras off unless you are a member of the commission or executive director participating virtually or are a member of staff in a presentation and are actively addressing the commission. Members of the public addressing the commission during the public comment may turn on their cameras when their name is called to speak and will turn them back off again at the conclusion of the remarks. For anyone uh, at the dais here today, please turn off the speakers on any computers and silence your devices. Please also remember to address your request to be recognized to speak through the chair and wait to speak until you have been recognized. You'll turn your microphones on and off as needed. All the items noted here will ensure a smoother meeting. Thank you. All votes today will be taken by the roll call method, so it's clear that for anyone participating virtually how votes are cast, commissioners will say aye or nay when their name is called. We are meeting on the ancestral lands of, and waters of the Coast Salish people with whom we share a commitment to steward these natural resources for future generations. This meeting is being digitally recorded and may be viewed or heard at any time on the port's website and may be rebroadcast by King County te Television. Please stand or join us for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right. Uh, first item of business today is approval of the agenda. As a reminder, if a commissioner wishes to comment for or against an item on the consent agenda, it's not necessary to pull the, pull the item from the consent agenda. Rather, a commissioner may offer supporting or opposing comments once the motion to approve the consent agenda is on the floor and before the vote is taken. However, if a commissioner wants to ask questions of staff or wishes to have a dialogue on a consent agenda item, it is appropriate to request the item to be pulled for separate discussion. I'll also note that item 8C on the consent agenda is the new executive director delegation approvals memo. There is no action for the commission associated with this memo and the memo will be provided monthly for informational purposes. 
Are there any items to be pulled from the consent agenda or any motions to arrange the orders of the day? Seeing none, commissioners, the question is now approval of the agenda. Is there a motion to approve the agenda as presented? So moved. Second. All right, the motion has been made and seconded. Is there any objection to the approval of the agenda as presented? Excellent, hearing none, the agenda is approved. Next on our agenda is the executive director's report. Executive Director Metric, you have the floor. President Cho, commissioners, good afternoon. I'd like to begin my report by wishing everyone a happy Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. During May, we take time to honor, recognize, and celebrate the innumerable contributions, vibrant cultures, and rich heritage of Asian Americans and Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander communities. Our Home of Asians and Pacific Islanders Employee Resource Group, known as HAPPY, is hosting several events this month, and details can be found on our Compass website. Our Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander employees are important voices here at the port, and that includes our Commission President Cho and Vice President Hasegawa. I look forward to the adoption of a proclamation in support of the, of the Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander Heritage Month at our next Commission meeting. In addition, this week we join public organizations and agencies across the country in celebrating National Public Service Recognition Week. Every day, public servants across government work to solve big challenges and contribute to something bigger than themselves. For me, public service is more than a job, it's a calling and, and I consider it a true vocation. This week is time to celebrate and thank dedicated public servants from federal, state, local, and tribal governments across the country. This year, we have a spirit week with each day featuring a unique theme. We'll also, look, we'll also work to get members of the executive leadership team out into the various port sites to visit with and thank the staff for all their work. I encourage all employees to celebrate in any way you can, whether you're working in person or remotely. As an, and as, of, as I have said before, our employees are what make the port great, and I thank them for their service every day. It is because of this outstanding service by our port employees that our first quarter performance for 2023 was very strong. We have transmitted to you, commissioners, last week the detailed financial report, but I'd like to provide a few highlights here. Uh, SEA passenger volumes continue to rebound and are expected to be 6.4% higher than last year and just 5.7% lower than 2019. Non-aeronautical revenues are anticipated to exceed the budget due to higher revenues in most lines of businesses. On the seaport side, a total of 289 cruise sailings with 1.4 million revenue passengers are expected in 2023 and fishing, commercial, and recreational marinas are expected to exceed revenue targets. However, grain volume is projected to be down 35% due to lower demand from China, and the conference center volume is estimated to be down by 12% due to events and conference center cancellations earlier this year. Overall, operating expenses were $13.9 million, or 10.4% favorable to the budget in the first quarter of 2023. For the full year, we are projecting operating expenses to be 5.3 million over the budget and operating expenses, revenues to be 5.3 million over the budget and operating expenses to be 4.1 million favorable to the budget. We're also forecasting to spend over $500 million on capital spending in 2023. We will continue to track our performance compared to our budget and look forward to reporting to you trends at the end of the second quarter. 
Following uh, turning to another subject, which is electrification of our waterfront, following the first successful Terminal 5 vessel shore power plug-in on April 10th, I want to congratulate everyone involved for second successful shore power connection on April 25th. As we know, having cargo ships plug in at berth is a key to our efforts to achieve our Northwest Ports Clean Air Strategy through the Northwest Seaport Alliance. The second su successful plug-in is another milestone in making this process more standardized and straightforward. As we look forward to, to uh, a more public Northwest Seaport Alliance celebration of Terminal 5 at uh, next month uh, to celebrate this accomplishment. Working to ensure the health and safety of our workforce and the community is a top priority for us. Therefore, the port continues to move forward in our efforts to be a national leader in the transition to non-fluorinated firefighting foam is, and is positioned to be among the first U.S. airports to transition away from the use of, of polyfluoral alkali substances or PFASs containing in the foam that contains them. The Port of Seattle's Fire Department, along with the Aviation Environmental Staff and our Central Procurement Office, are finalizing requests for proposals to per the, to, for purchase of fluorine-free firefighting foam and the vehicle cleaning of the airport rescue and firefighting equipment. In addition, the Aviation Environmental and Fire, Fire Department staff have participated in multiple advisory group meetings with the FAA to include to provide input and recommendation for the development of the congressionally mandated FAA transition plan document. Currently, the EPA and Washington State Department of Ecology are pursuing rulemaking for the regulation of PFAS in the environment. And our staff have been closely monitoring these developing issues, and I hope to have uh, positive news to report as we go forward in this effort. Lastly, I wanted to, uh, regarding the operations here at the port, I wanted to keep you informed about changes here in my uh, executive office. As you know, our Deputy Executive Director, Dave Soike, is retiring after a storied career here at the port. Dave's last full day at the port will be this Friday, May 12th. Dave will still occasionally come to the office through June, so we'll still see him around to ensure a smooth transition and close out a few items he has remaining. The process to select a new Deputy Executive Director is advancing, but will not be completed by the time Dave uh, departs. Therefore, to maintain continuity on critical projects and initiatives, I've asked Stephanie Jones-Stebbins, our Managing Director of uh, Maritime, to serve as the Interim Deputy Executive Director. Her interim role will begin on Monday, May 15th. So I thank Stephanie for stepping in and uh, filling those big shoes at Dave. I hope to have an opportunity to recognize Dave and his contributions to the port at a future uh, commission meeting, which are substantial. Moving to today's commission meeting, I'd like to highlight one item. New on our consent agenda today is item 8C, as uh, President Cho has noted. This item is our monthly report out on approvals under the new delegations of authority. For the month of April, I approved one item authorizing funding to rehabilitate pile caps under, under a building at Pier 90. The project will remove and replace 19 currently uh, deteriorated uh, timber caps supporting the floor of the building, C-173. As part of our commission meeting look-ahead meetings, we will typically keep the commission president apprised of these items twice a month, in addition to the official reporting at the beginning of each month, and I will continue to highlight those ones that I thought would be of interest uh, to the commission. And lastly, April 30th through May 6th, last but not least, through April 30th through May 6th was the 54th Annual Professional Municipal Clerks Week. 
Here at the Port of Seattle, we are fortunate to have an incredible Commission Public Records team led by Commission Clerk Michelle Hart and supported by Deputy, Deputy Clerk Aubrey Payne and Commission Staff Assistant Mary Cruz Talavera Chavez. So I'd like to give them a round of applause for all that they do. From migrating complex record-keeping systems, shifting to a hybrid meeting environment, revising our bylaws, or working uh, on our new delegations of authority, our commission's records teams is top-notch, and we are grateful and appreciative of all you do. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle, Aubrey, and Mary Cruz, for all you do in preparing for and facilitating our commission meetings, and, and then for all the whole team for overcoming any technical glitches we may have. And so with that, commissioners, this concludes my remarks. Thank you. Thank you for that report, Executive Director Metric. And uh, let me just uh, note that I would love to see Dave Soiki come back and be recognized for his very long career here. So as much as I'm sure he would love to be remain elusive, uh, I, as the president, am formally requesting him to come back so that we can recognize him. All right. Uh, we are now uh, moving on to committee reports. Erica Chung, Commission Strategic Advisor, will provide the report. Good afternoon, President Cho and Commissioners. I have three reports for you today. On May 3rd, Commissioners Hasegawa and Fellowman convened the Sustainable Environment and Climate Committee, where they were briefed on the Maritime Clim Climate and Air Action Plan, the MCAP 2022 Implementation Accomplishments, Challenges, and Areas of Focus for 2023. Commissioners also reviewed the draft agenda and offered feedback on the upcoming June 13th study session focused on aviation environmental carbon reduction strategies, including sustainable aviation fuel. And Commissioner Hasegawa offered an update on the offshore wind study mission to Europe, her takeaways and opportunities for the port. On May 3rd, Commissioners Fellman and Cho convened the Portwide Arts and Culture Board, where they were briefed on the five-year capital improvement projects at the airport, art pool funds for projects, and 2023 art projects at the airport and at Maritime. Board members discussed art pool funding for non-aviation and requested a briefing at the next board meeting. Board members reviewed potential candidates for the public member position vacancy and directed the art manager to follow up with the recommended candidate. Um, as a follow-up to the March 21st Aviation Committee meeting, Commissioners Mohammed and Calkins recommended to the Aviation Director to proceed with a taxi contract, which includes the meaning of a legitimate transfer that is aligned with the City of Seattle process and approval. This concludes my report. Thank you. Thank you, Erica. Any questions for Erica or Executive Director Metric from the Commissioners? Yeah, Commissioner Feldman. Thank you, as always, for the update on the workgroup progress. And uh, I just wanted to note that the, um, the report out on the MCAP, I think, could really um, benefit from not just uh, a recognition of the meeting of our work goals for that thing, completing whatever electrification or specific things that we set out for the year, but what that ultimately results in greenhouse gas reductions. So we, we really are shouldn't be just measuring our work plan, but our net progress. And I'm hoping that we will see uh, yet another column on the table so that we could track our ambitious goals. Thank you. All right. We are now at the public comment section of our agenda. The Port Commission welcomes public comment as an important part of the public process. That's a lot of P's. Uh, comments are perceived <laughs> and considered by the Commission in its deliberations. 
Before we take public comment, I want to review our rules for in-person and virtual public comment. Each commentator will have two minutes to speak and should stay within the allotted time. A timer will appear on the screen and a buzzer will sound at the end of the two-minute period for each speaker. You must limit remarks to topics related to the conduct of port business. These rules apply to the introductory and concluding remarks. All remarks should be addressed to the commission as a body, not to individual commissioners. Disruptions of commission public meetings are prohibited. Disruptions included, include, but are not limited to the following. Refusal of a speaker to limit remarks to the topics related to the conduct of poor business, threats and abusive or harassing behavior and language, obscene language and gestures, refusal of a speaker to comply with the allotted time set for the individual speaker's public comment, leaving the podium or testimony table to physically approach commissioners or staff during one's public comment, provided speakers may offer written materials to commission clerk, and any behavior that disrupts, disturbs, or otherwise impedes the meeting. Any disruption will result in a speaker's microphone being immediately shut off and warning or loss of speaking privileges or removal from the meeting as provided in the commission's bylaws. Written materials provided to the clerk will be included in today's meeting record. The clerk has a list of those prepared to speak. We are taking comments from anyone who has signed up to speak virtually as well as anyone who has joined us in the chambers. When I call your name, please, uh, if you are joining virtually, please unmute yourself. Then please repeat your name for the record and state your topic related to the conduct of port business. If you're on the Teams meeting and at the same time streaming the meeting on the website, please mute the website stream to avoid feedback. If you are speaking from the room, please come to the testimony table, repeat your name for the record, and state your topic related to the conduct of port business. So, our first speaker uh, for public comment in person will be Patrick McGee. Patrick, go ahead and uh, state your full name for the record and your topic uh, related to the conduct of poor business. My name's Pat McKee, and- uh, You wanna put the mic closer to your, to your it's right there. Sorry for you. There you go. Yeah, my name's Pat McKee, and uh, I guess I'm bringing greetings from Barcelona. Uh, so good afternoon. I know the commission heard last month from Alaska residents talking about how the growth, growth in mega cruise tourism is affecting daily life in their small cities. And I thought of them when I read the following announcement from Barcelona. And you have to forgive me. It's an emended Google translation from Catalan. Uh, the Stop Cruyere Catalunya campaign is holding a demonstration Sunday, May 7th to call out the cruise sector. Across the Mediterranean, many cities are united and coordinated against this predatory industry. The cruise industry has unacceptable environmental impacts. It is the most polluting form of transport per person and kilometer, generates an immense amount of GHG emissions and waste at sea and on land, uses the fuels most harmful to people's health. The insatiable growth spiral of the cruise tourism industry, which enjoys unjustified privileges, relies on public funding to expand ports and airports to accommodate more and more passengers on giant ships for the extraction of great profits by a few. The indiscriminate use of flags of convenience by multinational shipping companies allows abusive work regimes, worse wages, minimal technical controls on ships, lax environmental regulations, and tax evasion. The lack of transparency in the cruise sector and opacity in the operation of the ports makes it difficult to influence or even monitor their actions. They're a far cry from governance models that are truly democratic and participatory. 
The only useful measure for the health of people on planet would call for the radical reduction of cruise traffic until its total disappearance. Sustainable cruise is an oxymoron. The conversation around it is nothing more than a smokescreen, and the parties participating are insiders. There's a refusal to address the science or level with the public. Policies for the expansion of tourist numbers to greater than pre-pandemic levels are incompatible with the current climate emergency situation, the energy crisis, the drought, and with the generalized crisis we experience. For all this, we are going out on the streets Sunday to demand a radical reduction in the activity of the cruises and a progressive reduction plan until their disappearance you, throughout the Catalan territory in 2025. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. All right, our next speaker is virtual. Uh, Iris, Iris Entman, are you with us? Iris, can you hear me? Uh, yes, I am. Can you oh, hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Go ahead and state your full name and the topic related to con the conduct of poor business, and then we'll start the clock. Thank you. My name is Iris Antman. Uh, my subject is the increasing harms of cruise. Good afternoon, commissioners and staff. In a recent blog post, a port commissioner reduced the complexity of addressing the climate crisis to a simplistic either-or equation using phrases that tend to scare and anger people who are called upon to change some of their behaviors and at the same time suggest people in the global south will be adversely impacted by choices residents in the U.S. make to live in a more sustainable way. The current paradigm of increasing crews, along with more flights and tourists, as well as the economic orthodoxy of capitalism touting infinite growth and expansion, flies in the face of the reality that we live on a finite planet, now with 8 billion people. Continuing the present business-as-usual course is hastening and heralding the demise of our species and so many others. And believing that the tools and technologies that have brought us to this point are the same ones that will help to mitigate the climate crisis is hubris of the highest order. Yes, of course we need technology and bright creative minds to develop, design, and manufacture clean energy systems for housing, transportation, and so many other things. But even more important, we need a new way of thinking and understanding our place in the world. We are connected with all other beings. On a finite planet with finite resources, there cannot be forever growth and expansion. This is common sense. It's time to reduce the number of cruises until we have a cruise-free sailor sea. Seriously, consider this concept, dream about it, and set your sights on creating sustainable businesses and jobs here at the port. Cruising is no longer an ethical or viable option. Thank you. Thank you, Iris. All right, our last speaker is Alex Zimmerman. Oh my God. Alex, if you want to state your name, full name, and the topic of con and the con related to conduct of poor business. Yes, boss. No problem. <laughs> <coughs> sorry, I disabled man. Yeah, all disabled man. I'm so sorry. My name is Alex Zimmerman, yeah, 
It'll start after you say your name, Alex, not while you're saying it. So just state your name and start, your topic. Start time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start. Yeah. Okay. My name is Alex Zimmerman, and I'm candidate for ship to the uh, Alex, it is inappropriate to campaign on public property using public resources. Yeah, I don't campaign. You I, just said I, you're a candidate. I have my name in and ship to the moon. Right now, people registered for people who want to go to the moon, Amazon, or this. Uh, Alex, you need to keep your comments to the conduct of poor business. What is your topic related to the conduct of poor business? Okay, I will go with conduct of business. You know what this means? It's exactly what is I want to speak about this. I don't know, you know something about nothing, 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 what, ritual? So nothing ritual right now is a crime, it's a felony right now. Because you're only one man who interrupt me every meeting, I have right told to you, so you're a pure criminal, and probably felony is exactly what this is. Alex, you need to keep your comments to conduct exactly, of I poor business. This exactly, I don't want what is you interrupt me all time for two minutes, because it's not look for everybody. Only idiot can respect Alex, this like is your last warning. But I don't understand why you're doing this. Only for me alone. You know what I mean? I'm only one man who doing this. You're doing this only to me. People speak about everything. Alex, you never interrupt this. Why? You're not following the rules, Alex. You're not supposed to address specific commissioners. Exactly. This is exactly what is important. Because what is you doing right now is a pure crime, a felony. Is this not good for business? It's not good for everything. Ethical standards show so you very primitive. It to me you look like a pig. Nazi All right, I'm cutting you off. Your time is up, Alex. You're done. All right, seeing that there are no further, oh, excuse me, that concludes our signups today. Is there anyone else present on the team's call or present in the room today who didn't sign up or who wishes to address the commission? If so, please state and spell your name and state the topic related to the conduct of the port you wish to speak about for the record. All right, seeing none, at this time I'll ask the clerk to please give a synopsis of written comments received. Thank you, Mr. Commission President. Iris Antman submitted written comments to support her spoken comments, and we received no other written comments for the meeting today. Thank you so much. Hearing no further public testimony, we will now move on to the consent agenda. Items on the consent agenda are considered routine and will be adopted by one motion. Items removed from the consent agenda will be considered separately immediately after the adoption of the remaining consent agenda items. At this time, the chair will entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda covering items 8A, 8B, 8C, 8D, and 8E. So moved. Do I have a second? Second. Excellent. The motion was made and seconded. Commissioners, please say aye or nay when your name is called. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Four ayes, zero nays for this item. Excellent. The motion passes. All right. Excuse me here while I flip through the pages. Moving on in the agenda, we have two new business items today. Clerk Hart, please read the first item into the record. Executive Director Metric will then introduce the item. Thank you. This is agenda item 10A, order number 2023-07, an order of the Port of Seattle 
Commission to establish the Small Business Committee as an ad hoc committee of the Port of Seattle Commission. Commissioners, the Port has steadily increased the number of initiatives and programs related to small business businesses over the years. This ad hoc committee will have oversight over those activities, including the Small Business Incubator, the Public Market Feasibility Study, and the Community Business Connectors Program. Uh, presenting today is Commission Strategic Advisor uh, V. Nguyen. V. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Uh, v. Nguyen, she, her pronouns for the record. Uh, Commission Office staff. Um, so I, as new staff, I am, I've been assigned to the Small Business Ad Hoc Committee. Um, just here to present. Um, Aubrey, whenever you're ready, thank you. All right, next slide, please. Okay, so this ad hoc committee came together to have space for commissioners and the Economic Development Division to discuss small business initiatives. Prior commission action regarding committees are covered by resolutions 3770 and 3613. Resolution 3613 is specific to the audit committee. Resolution 3770 created charters for commission standing committees, which are the Equity and Workforce Development Committee, Aviation, Waterfront and Industrial Lands, and Energy and Sustainability. Because committee charters detail the specific topics and purview of each committee, and because of the launch of several initiatives in support of small business to advance the port's mission and vision of robust economic development, there was a desire by Commission President Cho and Commissioner Mohammed to form an ad hoc committee focused on small business initiatives that the Economic Development Division is driving um, on behalf of the port. <clears throat> this order formalizes the creation of the ad hoc committee as a good governance practice. It's quite routine and while the order may read as perfunctory, uh, the topics that will be covered in committee are definitely exciting. Some of what we'll be discussing in this committee includes the International South King County Public Market Feasibility Study, Community Business Connectors, Port Accelerators, and Incubators. The work plan and scope for this committee was developed by Director McFadden. Um, as a note, this committee will focus on port small business initiatives supporting our economic development mission. Um, adjacent bodies of work such as our airport dining and retailer or Wimby diversity and contracting will stay with the aviation and equity and workforce development committees respectively. Uh, the small business ad hoc committee will have agendas publicly available and actions will be, will be reported out at commission meetings similar to the other committees. Um, members of this committee are Commission President Cho and Commissioner Mohammed. This, commission, uh, this committee is set to meet through 2023. Currently, there's no language in this order to formally sunset the committee. Um, commissioners will revisit committee needs in relation to port business and initiatives at the end of the year. I will now read a portion of the text of the order into the record. The Port Commission hereby establishes the Small Business Committee as an ad hoc committee for the Port of Seattle Commission for 2023. The Small Business Committee membership shall include Commissioner Hamdi Mohammed and Commissioner Sam Cho. The committee will provide information, advice, and recommendations about fulfilling the port's century agenda goal through the port's work to support small businesses as part of our mission to advance economic development. The committee shall focus on initiatives led by the Economic Development Division. Um, this concludes my presentation, and I will turn this back over to Commission President Cho. Great. Thank you so much, V. Are there any questions for staff at this time from commissioners? I'm going to go ahead and begin with Commissioner Mohammed. if you wanted to ask any questions or make any remarks. Um, thank you, Commissioner President Cho. Um, I don't have any questions, but I definitely want to thank um, the staff, the economic development team, um, Director McFadden, and everyone who has participated in helping establish this uh, small business ad hoc committee. We've already met 
and have talked about what it would look like to provide oversight and provide more support to our small business community and around the port's activities. And um, yeah, it's an honor to establish this committee in partnership with Commission President Cho. And I am looking forward to getting some wins out of this committee and um, partnering with my uh, port commission commission colleagues around uh, the work that comes out of the committee. Thank you for the time. Great. Commissioner Calkins? Uh, a couple of thoughts. I mean, at a very high level, I'm always happy to support my fellow commissioners taking on more work. And uh, this, uh, you guys will definitely be taking on a, a, an additional uh, bit of work for yourselves. But I think each of you has brought a passion to this, this uh, topic area. And um, so this, in some ways, just uh, creates some organization around work that you've already been doing. And I think it's great. I also think just generally our committee structure has been working really well ever since we formalized a, a sort of slate of committees that allows us to really dig in on certain topics and support staff in a uh, more readily available basis uh, as two commissioners at a time. So uh, strongly supportive. I had an opportunity this, I just want to share an anecdote about a small business um, that I learned about this weekend uh, that was, uh, I think, emblematic of the kind of work we can do at the Port of Seattle. Um, and that is this weekend I was uh, touring one of the cruise vessels that um, is able to, to take shore power. Mm -hmm. And as a part of that, I met with a gentleman named Mike Watts, who runs a, a company that at this point um, has installed over half of all cruise shore power in the world. And the history of that small business uh, is directly tied to the efforts that the commission made 20 some years ago when we were developing um, Pier 30 for cruise and the commission and leadership said, you know, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it with shore power. And a local, very entrepreneurial individual um, working for um, a local business at the time uh, worked to bring shore power to Terminal 30 in an extraordinarily quick period of time. And as a result of that innovative step by the Port of Seattle to say we want these cruise ships to be able to plug in and the, the uh, innovation of a local small business, we now have a global business based here in shore power doing not only great work, but also powering uh, the, the greening of uh, a port of the cruise industry. So you know, this is the kind of stuff that I hope we can work hand in glove with small business to create new opportunities and in the best scenarios to create global businesses out of them. So uh, fully support your efforts on the Small Business Committee. Great, thank you, Commissioner Calkins. Commissioner Fellman. Uh, thank you very much, and thank you for your leadership with uh, Commissioner Mohammed. I, I think you know it's so foundational that the port would want to support small business that creating a committee like this is sort of a no-brainer. But <laughs> I took a couple of good brains to do it, and I, I'm very appreciative. I, I do appreciate also the fact that um, at this moment in time, you do not, uh, you know, it doesn't sunset per se. But I, I think the, the the language of the text of the order could be more clear in that regard. Um, it, it, you know, it says that, uh, that the committee, as an ad hoc committee of the commission for 2023, you know, and that, that has somewhat of a sense of finality to it in my mind. You know, it, it seems to be as of this date sort of thing. And then at the conclusion of that, I, I would suggest that, I would hope this becomes a permanent committee. It seems only appropriate. But the last sentence says, the Small Business Committee membership shall include Commissioner Muhammad and Cho, um, so beginning in 2023. So like, 
envisioning that there will be future committees, commissions that will have new mm -hmm. membership. So yep. I'm, I'm very supportive of this. I'm supportive of the idea that it would become durable and not ad hoc, mm -hmm. and would like to see, and that seems to be your intent, and I think the language could potentially uh, better reflect that. Did you want to respond, uh, V, or I could I can respond as well, or or, or, or our chief of staff, Aaron Pritchard? Yeah, I think if we were going to continue this uh, either ad, as ad hoc, often we've done in the past, we did ad hoc two years in a row to sort of see what other items might come up. We would re we would redo this order at the beginning of next year. I think that would be the intent. So we'll go through 2023, see what the stand, how we stand on these, because it's really project-based. If you look at what's included in here, there's several distinct projects they're working on. If those are still ongoing, which likely they will be, we'll recharter the ad hoc committee uh, and then look at membership at that time as well, if that, if that satisfies your questions. Well, that sounds good. I would certainly hope that the committee would not be limited to these projects, but as yeah. new projects come up, that would be, um, and in fact, so, so yeah, so for example, the work discussed of the committee is so right so it does not limit it in the uh text of the order or the introduction to the order so but i, I do appreciate that we can and hopefully the next one we won't be making another interim committee an ad hoc committee we'll just be yeah. establishing it as such i think there is one clarification though in terms of a commissioner caulkin statement i believe we already had one uh shore power at nine at 91 and then we moved 30 it was our second one I believe that's. I believe we started in ninety in ninety one, because I was there when we did. I was there when we did both, and uh, but I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure in terms of the the original one was basically funded with uh, uh, Holland America started that one. And I maybe thought we it was at Director John Stevens to write a blog post about the history because it's fascinating no matter what. But I think yeah, but I'm just wondering whether or not we had the same guy. I think it's really a great story about. Uh, a, a single entrepreneur, but I, I think they were two separate. T30 only had one birth. So we right. have Then two. that was moved. Then the connections and that was were moved, moved to that, 90. That one connection was moved over and it was always viewed as a temporary birth. We were going to move the building itself, but it was built to be fabricated that way. But it was we moved one terminal, one cold ironing source to where the other one was, I believe is the, for what? And, but do we know if the same contractor was, did the first one was the question? And here she is. So yes, it was the same contractor, although my understanding is the business has grown and changed form, but it's essentially the same, the same folks. And this is now currently a, an offshoot, but it has been this company that then, as Commissioner Calkins said, has really spread this technology throughout the world. Just and how many years apart were the two? So we. It, it, it was actually two births at 30 as well, and then we moved them both. Uh, we, really? First, they went online in 2004, and they were moved in 2009 to Terminal 91. I swear, I did not recall there was two births, but then again, it was so long ago. Thank you very much for the clarification. Thank you. I stand corrected. All right. With that, hearing no further questions for this item, is there a motion and a second? So moved. Second. <laughs> Am I allowed to second my? <laughs> Mr. Commissioner, President, it should, we should do it by a roll call vote. Yeah. All right. The motion was made and seconded. Clerk Hart, please call the roll call vote. Wonderful. Um, beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. I'm sorry. Commissioner Mohammed. I just botched that completely, <laughs> so let's just back up. I'm going to begin with Commissioner Mohammed. 
Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Thalaman. Aye. And we'll give you a break given that it's your day for a Right. Day. Um, yeah. Okay. Shining star. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Four ayes, zero nays for this item. The motion passes. Thank you very much. All right, Clerk Hart, please read the next item into the record. Executive Director Metric will then introduce it. Thank you. This is agenda item 10B, Commission determination that a competitive process is not appropriate or cost-effective and exemption or cost-effective and exempt. Um, so this is exempting the contract from the competitive process consistent with RCW 53-19020 and authorization for the executive director to execute a new project-specific five-year period contract with Community Attributes Incorporated to perform the services of hosting, maintaining, updating, and other services related to the equity index in an amount not to exceed $750,000 as part of the Port Century Agenda goals to be a resource as a natural as a national port industry leader on equity. Commissioners, several years ago, the port worked with community attributes to create our groundbreaking equity index, which has been a great resource for analyzing how we make equitable investments in the community. We're seeking a competition waiver to retain community attributes to host, maintain, and update the equity index, given their unique ex expertise in data visualization and analysis. As our metrics and evaluation of equity impacts evolves with each new program, initiative, or assessment, keeping the equity index updated will add to our knowledge and ability for the port to be a national leader on equity. And to, do, to present this is our Senior Director for Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, Bukta Kesar, is, and she's available to share some more information about that work. Bukta. Thank you. Good afternoon, Commissioners, and thank you, Executive Director Metric. It's great to be with you here again. And today I'll be talking about our plans for the equity index moving forward. Um, next slide, please. Uh, today I'm specifically asking your permission to execute a contract with Community Attributes which uh, for up to five years and the value of $750,000, though we're not really sure what we'll budget every year, but we want to have that amount available so that we don't have to keep on coming back to you and take your time. But the index really advances our equity efforts and century agenda goals in, in a lot of ways. And I'll be going into some of the reasons why we did the index from the very beginning for some of the commissioners who might not be familiar with it. Next slide, please. So the equity index is really a tool that actually, believe it or not, in 2019 when I arrived here was still incredibly unique. Today, this role of mapping and data to make decisions about equities become a very, very popular one. And multiple equity indexes and maps and environmental justice mapping tools have been launched over the last year. Um, one of the most important reasons that I wanted to have the equity and index available for us was that it would be a tool for decision making for the port, for us to know where the needs are the greatest and where investments have occurred or not occurred and where the gaps are and where we, we could be driving our investments to really meet the greatest needs. 
Um, I started in working with some students from University of Washington, PhD students who gathered data, and by 2020, we created the equity index. We used the census track level, block, at the block level data, um, and have four different buckets of determinants of um, health that I'll be talking about with 21 indicators between the four. And again, the intent here is to illustrate the, the sort of interaction of pollution burdens and social inequities. Next slide, please. The four buckets that we have that you know inform the data so far um, are accessibility, environment, livability, and economy. And what is not said here is, of course, race and all of the data that the census gathers, which is sort of the underlying theme that is updated by King County on a quarterly basis. Uh, just for your interest, for example, the EJ mapping tool that the EPA has launched does not use race as an indicator for inequities, but it is really important in my mind, of course, uh, that, that uh, you know, that we really are able to show race, language, nationality, um, plus all of these four buckets of um, data. And you can see within each of those four, there are multiple other indicators that we have been able to really search and, and be able to add to the equity index. Much of the this information was already available through UW or Front and Centered or other organizations like poverty rate in King County, um, employment and unemployment rate, rate, job density, traffic density. This was data that we were able to get from other um, institutions and be able to bring into the equity index. And then we launched it in 2020. And we entered into a contract with community attributes, which basically keeps this data updated um, and also host the map on their server, which is the preference of the Port of Seattle IT friends. Next slide, please. So this is just a little bit more about those four buckets and why we arrived at it. Basically, um, uh, our decision as a team early on was that these were the four e themes that were most significant to our mission, to our vision, the century agenda, and all of what our organization is driving towards. And all of the data within each, as I said, you know, this is uh, three years ago, some data like, for example, tree canopy was not data that was available then but is now and so we can really with this contract we would have the ability to continue to add indicators and data to make the map much more robust next slide please this is just a picture of the map but the map is on the port website and it's available for everyone to be able to use. People contact us from other uh, governments, other nonprofits and ask if they could have the actual raw data. The answer is absolutely yes. 
And you can see this, this purple dots on the map. And Commissioner Mohammed, this was one of the things that you really asked for early on, which was the concept of story mapping, which is a new concept that uh, is growing, again, very quickly around the country. Um, and those dots are the organizations that we have funded through South King County Fund. And so the intent here is for us to be able to one day have all of the organizations that we fund through workforce development, the youth career launch, and also other departments, not just EDI, external relations, be able to add community partnerships to this map and be able to show their impact, the populations they're serving, the work that they're doing. So the map really is really useful to the port staff so that they're aware of all of the partnerships we have in place. And again, the, the whole issue of where how we can see where our investments are driven, where the needs are the greatest, and where there are gaps with uh, where we are investing. Next slide, please. All right, just uh, some of the next steps, and this is actually not in any order here, but some of the what we have in mind for the next couple of years is to develop some case studies. An example of this is that we worked with our noise program, and based on the index, they decided to place noise monitors in places where the needs were the greatest, and so really do more case studies about this. And V Nguyen, who was on our team before moving over to the Commission office started doing one of these case studies and for us to do more of that and share with other governments around the country. Um, to add additional indicators and some are already available like tree canopy for example or data that we could begin to gather to continue to make this map much more relevant for port staff and our communities. Um, more external and internal presentations, working with teams, uh, for example, the environmental team, the maritime team, so that they have direct access and can pull the data that they need to make decisions and also much more story mapping. So this is the work ahead for the next five years under this contract with community attributes. And I think the next slide is just wrapping it up. Yeah, thank you for um, this opportunity to tell you the story of the index and um, look forward to our discussion. Excellent, thank you, Bukta. Are there any questions for staff at this time from commissioners? Commissioner Calkins? I, um, it's it's fun to hear about the nature of the work that this is going to fund, and and of course I think we're all supportive of um, finding the uh, the best available opportunity. Obviously, you find yourself in a little bit of a pickle trying to um, find a competitive a set of competitive bids for this when it's such a unique um, element of the work. And I think it is important that we get visibility as a commission into the into these situations where there isn't an opportunity for um, to be able to to have. Um, multiple bidders that, that have the capacity to do this kind of work. On the other hand, I think uh, we're probably all familiar with the quality of the work of this particular contractor, and so uh, provided we continue to assure good oversight of the actual management of the contract, I feel comfortable with this. Thank you. Taking a commissioner, Commissioner Fallon. Thank you for that, and I'm a big fan of mapping. Certainly makes it a lot easier than reading the data, and uh, it's of great value. And you know, it, it, it is most important to me that we benefit from the various other maps that are already out there so that the data layers that we have are um, as comprehensive as they can be. And I, I appreciate the ones that we started out with. Uh, 
but there are, you know, there's all sorts of granularity for different areas. And that's one of the questions I really had is, you know, how much can you zoom in? So when you say a census tract, um, I just looked up, what is a census tract? So it says, mm -hmm. you know, the block group with is a statistical different dis, uh, division within a census tract, which equals 600 to 3,000 people. Now, if you have a low density place, so you would have a large geographic area, and even within that, that's a huge range. And then they go on to say 50%, there are 50% more census tracts than there are zip codes. So that's a good sign that it's smaller than a zip code. But I'm just wondering, in terms of being able to statistically distinguish one place from another, it seems like the, it almost seems to me better to be a geographic size than a population size. Um, and then you could look at how many people are in each block. But it seems like it's because it's the census, they're interested in people, not geography, as much. I'm wondering, how, how do we try to norm, it's maybe not your question, but I really want to normalize the, the comparison between blocks. And why is, if we're going to make a disparity study, <laughs> well, I guess with the disparity study, you can look at how many people live one place and the other. So from a human perspective, I could see how a census number makes most sense. Yeah, thank you for that question, and that's a very good point, and some of it I can answer, and some of it I think I can't, but uh, just because I'm not understanding the technical kind of aspects of the work, but it's interesting that some of the cities in South King County have contacted us and asked this question, can we have some of this information at the, at the block level, and how granular, how disaggregated can the data be? And it sounds like for some, yes, and for some, no. But, and, and also the inconsistency in the response to the census data um, from communities, <laughs> right? And especially for communities where there is a higher rate of um, immigration and immigrant communities. But uh, in some cases, we do have actually data that could go to the block level. And uh, in my conversations with community attributes, we have talked about really continuing to move in that direction. And in the... Uh, I, I think in all of the other maps that are informing our map, because Commissioner Calkins' point about not duplicating efforts, this is a really important one, some data is already available, and the UW Health Disparities map is one that informed a lot of our work, and they continue to make it much, much, much more uh, granule, and, and, and like, for example, for asthma, which is an indicator that UW just added to their maps, you can now get information to about blocks in in King County um, so it, it's really growing the capacity to do that yeah I'm glad to hear that I mean, one of the things I thought was thinking about in terms of the sole source nature of it there are a lot of maps out there so I would assume community attributes didn't do all of them I would mean, UW probably did it all in house yes for they example. did it their own um, but it, I, I, I don't know I don't know what the depth and breadth of that error. But your point, though, is um, very interesting in that if we're really looking for uh, disproportionately impacted communities, and those are the communities that are most likely to be undercounted. Yes. So you know, there's an old saying that uh, all models are wrong, some are useful, right? And so, um, so, but it's important to sort of qualify to say, if you think you're overestimating or underestimating, it's like sort of like, are we leaning to a conservative approach? So I, I really think we're underestimating, to your point. 
And so I think it's important when we look at these disparities that we point out to the best of our knowledge, but when it comes to census, we know where we most likely undercount. That's exactly right, because, for example, data from school districts about the languages spoken in schools in South King County are some of the best ways, I think, to know about communities that reside in South King County, absolutely. So looking for multiple factors to get that information, because in the census we have seen that uh, communities have been undercounted. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Feldman. Um, Commissioner Mohammed, any thoughts, questions regarding the this item? No, I'm I'm in support of this item today, and I continue to be really impressed with the work that the Office of OADI um, does. Thank Ex you. Excellent. Thank you so much, Commissioner Mohammed. I will. I'll, I'll close by saying how uh, how supportive I am of this specific initiative, Bukdina Unive. Worked on this for years, um, and you know. I'd like for us as an organization to become, become a data-driven decision maker. And the fact is that uh, this index that we created through the equity motion several years ago has been an invaluable tool, not just for us internally, but also, as you stated, uh, for our partners across the, the region who rely on this data to make decisions for themselves. Uh, and so I'm really glad that this is a resource not just for us as a port, but also for our partners across the region. And so thank you so much for your office. Thank you to Community Attributes for um, taking this on. And I'm very glad that this um, this dashboard will continue to be updated as we as the years go along. I think one of the issues that we see with initiatives like this is that we always start strong and then it kind of fizzes out uh, and the data becomes obsolete or outdated. But the fact that we are uh, putting in the resources to sustain it for the several years to come, I think will really pay a lot of dividends in the future. So uh, thank you very much. Yes, Commissioner Ruffelman. The agenda is short, so I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, one of the things, we spent uh, much of uh, Saturday on a boat and around with uh, EPA officials uh, from D.C. Uh, focusing on EJ issues. And it was fascinating. Um, one of the things that um, really struck me was just the amount of money that is being put into uh, their program. I, I, I believe it was said their budget last year was $6 million and this year is $6 billion. And uh, their concern is, are they going to be able to cut enough checks and that they get to the communities? And so, um, and that so, and that there's like, for some of them, it comes to the state, then the city, then the community. For others of these grants, it can go straight to the community. I'm just wondering, um, since this is a tool for the community, it's not, it's not for the community to uh, to do the work, but we need to get the information from the community. But it is to then guide the work. And that was one of the questions. You know, EPA, like any other federal agency, is really challenged by trying to do a community responsive program when they're a big national organization. And, uh, and even with Region 10, it's like a four-state region. So when it looks like the difference in between Seattle and Spokane, four-state region is not very representative. And one of the places which was, uh, and they use like an equity map to determine who is eligible for the money. Mm -hmm. And so like one of the greatest disparities was uh, um, uh, income, right? So, so it was like, you know, cost of living, well, obviously it costs a little bit more to live here than Idaho. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, this is a challenge for how we make sure that the money gets to the communities most in need. 
And I'm just wondering whether um, the port can be helpful in having the EPA spend this money on projects like this. And that, um, and of course, there's always a time budget for the federal agencies to expense this money. So I urge the office to look with the executive as ways that we might be able to help really do a tremendous amount of work here. And I actually finally got to see the Maritime High School boat. And um, <laughs> it's like perfectly suited for the job. I just thought it was, you know, and it, and it had class. It was woody and it was, you know, with a pontoon mm -hmm. boat, but with all that room and the, the layout of it was, of course, um, you know, BD knows something about boats, but that was just a fortuitous thing to have a boat that seemed to be so well suited for a classroom type program. So, um, and I quite frankly think that that could also be another beneficiary of this effort, just like, you know, DRCC is poised to receive this funding and it seems to be that program could be another beneficiary, but we have to make sure navigating bureaucracy is a difficult thing for most people. I think we're pretty good at it given we're used to it. All right, thank you very much. Thank, thank you, Commissioner Fellman. All right, hearing no further questions for this item, is there a motion and a second? So moved. Second. Excellent. The motion was made and seconded. Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote. Commissioner, thank you. please say aye or nay when your name is called. Now beginning with Commissioner Hawkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Tev. Aye. Thank you. Four ayes, zero nays for this item. Excellent. Thank the you, motion Commissioners. Passes. Thank you. Thank you, Bukta. All right, so there are no presentations or staff reports scheduled for day today. That concludes our business meeting agenda for the day. Are there any closing comments at this time or motions relating to committee referrals from commissioners? Any comments, closing comments? Oh. Of course. What, you give me a chance? I'm not going to talk. All right, so anyway, um, I guess I, I was really impressed by the progress we're making on PFASs. I think that's a, a huge undertaking, and it just struck pretty close to home with the San Juan Islands, a rural place that, fortunately, not in my drainage area. Um, but, you know, these people who have, you know, going to retire in their little piece of paradise all of a sudden realize they have 600 times more, and it's not even clear that the fire station is the problem. But so this is obviously a huge issue that we have to make sure we can address in the near future. Um, and, and that the, uh, I think the most important thing, I want to say congratulations to Stephanie Jones-Stevens, who's not even hearing me right now, but thank you for your <laughs> taking on the work, Stephanie Jones-Stevens. All right, there you go. And uh, anyway, but I do, I do very much appreciate the legacy that Dave Swiggy said. I've gotten to know him pretty well, and we have, we're losing a treasure, but, um, for, for the meantime, I, I wish you great luck finding anybody to serve in those shoes, but Stephanie will do an admirable job in the interim. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Feldman. Anything else from Commissioner? Commissioner Calkins? Sure. I, I wanted to provide a little bit of um, comment on the trip that Commissioner mm. Hasegal and I just returned from. We were in uh, Aberdeen, Scotland, and uh, in Denmark, various places in Denmark, uh, for nine days a couple of weeks ago, got back about ten days ago, to uh, principally to study European offshore wind initiatives. Uh, came back with kind of some high-level stuff. The most important thing to note is that we will be doing a much more in-depth study of this on May 24th at 9:30 a.m. That will be streamed online. You can also attend in person at the Fabulich Center in the Port of Tacoma. 
um, in which we're going to have some expert panelists, uh, opportunity for managing members of the Northwest Seaport Alliance to, to discuss uh, and, and to ask uh, additional questions. But a, a few of the things that I wanted to um, just share is kind of headlines from the trip. The first was that uh, I think we were all quite impressed. Well, the, let me let me state that the delegation was a group of um, stakeholders and also uh, tribal representatives um, visiting various places where offshore wind is already a pretty significant part of the local economies. Uh, and that included uh, Chair Forsman, of, uh, who is the uh, chair of the Affiliated Tribes of Northwest Indians, uh, April Sims and Katie Garrow, who are the, um, the top elected uh, representatives in the Washington State Labor Council and the King County Labor Council, a number of state representatives and also um, some county representatives from uh, Snohomish County and the Port of Everett. Um, and uh, the big takeaways, one is that we saw that a very mature industry in Europe. Um, onshore wind, of course, is a couple of generations old. Offshore wind is, is uh, over 25 years old. And as a result, they have worked out a lot of the um, first mover um, kind of difficulties in a new industry like this. Um, we also had an opportunity to, to visit uh, locations that are engaged in floating offshore wind, which is a very new technology. There are about a dozen platforms so far in the world, uh, but the uh, total number of projected turbines that are in um, siting or permitting right now is uh, two orders of magnitude higher over the next five years. So we're seeing that the sort of hockey stick growth in that area. And that's what we would see on the Pacific coast of the United States, with California having already announced that they're moving forward with five different lease areas. The other thing we saw was um, a depth of knowledge on the real impacts, uh, both in terms of environmental factors, other industry co-uses, and uh, a concerted effort to understand how to mitigate impacts that um, cannot be avoided and also avoid impacts that can be avoided uh, and what the remedies are when there is impact to existing industries. And so being able to bring back some of those best practices to the West Coast. Um, we looked into a little bit the integration of other technologies, which is a really key part of uh, understanding the why behind this. If we are convinced that we do need renewable sources of energy on the electrical grid, uh, we need to figure out not only how to integrate um, this much power into the West Coast grid, whether it's off California or Oregon or elsewhere, um, but then also to think about uh, where else this power might support our efforts to electrify everything or uh, move things to uh, renewable, um, non-polluting um, liquid fuels like hydrogen. And uh, I think we all walked away feeling like we are in early days in those um, areas, uh, thinking about how you can integrate um, something like an offshore wind park uh, into um, the electrolyzing process to make hydrogen and, and where the different elements of that need to take place. It, it very much feels like a moonshot. This is a, a very technologically a, a big hill to climb. And yet at the end of the day, I think uh, in our last meeting, our debrief as we were headed home, I think there was a, a great sense of optimism about what this would mean for real climate action. Uh, for uh, an opportunity to shift the, the locus of the U.S. energy industry from Houston, where it's dominated by fossil fuels, to the West Coast, where we have a, a 
an opportunity to lead on renewable energy in a variety of different ways. And uh, so I'm looking forward to the 24th and opening up that conversation to the, the managing members and understanding how our ports, um, well, more broadly, how Washington ports can support the Pacific Coast supply chain for offshore wind in places like California. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the summary, Commissioner Calkins. Appreciate it. Sounds like an awesome trip. Any other comments? Executive Director Metric, any closing comments from you today? Uh, thanks, Commissioners. I think one, just one other thing I'd want to mention is that uh, I had a meeting uh, this week with Deborah Smith from uh, uh, Seattle City Light, which mm. just made me think about the electrification. She's moving on, but we, part of the meeting was to thank her for her great partnership with them on the efforts that we're doing on electrification of the maritime industry and looking at that, but also with the staff out continuing those connections in our work on the uh, on the. Uh, um, um, on the MCAP and our other waterfront electrification plans. So I just, that, I should have mentioned, mentioned that in my executive director report, but it's important to have that continuity. Thank her for her leadership to this point. We also discussed wind, and that's what reminded me of that, Commissioner, offshore wind, and it's uh, thinking beyond where we are with our, with, uh, our needs and demand for today, but for the future as well, making sure that we're all tied into that. So I just thought that would be good to mention, Commissioner, to make sure we have that continuity going. Sure, Commissioner Feldman. So um, one of the things that's the, Having the power, then getting the power to the right place is the other part of that. And um, and that the, the Navy right now, I know a lot of the, in the NDAA, there was a lot of discussions about you know, maintaining these bases as autonomous in the time of chaos. And, um, and I know when we were getting the sustainable aviation pilot project in place, it was hard to um, navigate around how much that focus existed. And so these microgrids are something that the DOD is investing in significantly. And to the degree that the port itself can look at itself as a microgrid, um, I think that could be very helpful as the juice starts flowing. Thank you. Great. All right, hearing no further comments and having no further business, if there's no objection, we are adjourned at exactly 1.13 p.m. Thank you all.